Hello, podcast listener. Welcome to Eat Half, Walk, Double. I'm your host, Chris Dunn. This show chronicles my four decades in endurance sports as a coach, race director, and athlete, told through the stories of the important, influential, and interesting people I've met along the way. While I catch up with friends, colleagues, rivals, clients, and the occasional family member, it's my hope you'll learn a little something about health, fitness, and the secrets to living well along the way. My great friend and professional productivity coach, Timothy Lindsay, joins me for the second part of our conversation about the book, The One Thing. Ultimately, success comes down to being appropriate in the moments of your life that matter the most. You do that by asking yourself the question, what's the one thing I need to do in order to fill in the blank with your ultimate goal, such that by doing it makes everything else easy or unnecessary? With this focusing question, we then seek to live with purpose, live by priority, and live for productivity. Tim and I explore these concepts and many more. So here he is, Timothy Lindsay. Tim, welcome back to the show. <laughs> you're obviously you're obviously wicked important. Uh, <laughs> you didn't have your you didn't have your people specifically block off this time for me. What, no, and what here's the challenge, right? Wouldn't you think you're in this environment? I've been in this ecosystem now uh, for 12 years. No idea how to do that with the thing. No, no idea. And I also have learned that apparently at my office. There is an all page, which for obvious reasons, Christopher, they're not giving me the license to run that. <laughs> I so desperately want to do all pages throughout the entire building. Right. Because we used to do them, you know, at my 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 former, which I can see out the window from here in, uh, in Portsmouth, uh, my my former office. We would do some wonderful pages on the, the radio station all page, which was a, a different professional environment in a different time. Um <laughs> It's probably good that I don't have the all page for my current office. But yes, I apologize for the ring. If people at home are scoring, that's me minus one. <laughs> On the last episode, uh, we well, I, I should I should remind the listener uh, or inform the new listener that we are uh, talking about the one thing. Um, yes, sir. Uh, uh, Gary Keller's book, um, this with the subtitle being the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. Uh, in the last show, we uh, we covered the six lies. Uh, everything matters equally. Multitasking, a disciplined mm -hmm. life, willpower mm -hmm. always on call, uh, a balanced life, and big is bad. Today, though, um, I wanted to talk about um, the truth, uh, as as Keller outlines it, uh, and the keys to extraordinary results. Yeah. Um, so, uh, kind of kick it off and to, and to tee it up for you. Uh, to use an analogy that, uh, by the way, how was disc golf uh, the, <laughs> oh. the other day? <laughs> I feel I, I feel like we're both thespians and our and our theater <laughs> teachers like Christopher grabs knife covers in salt, jabs it between sixth and seventh rib. Yeah, sure. We'll talk about it. It's fine. I got therapy later today. Um, if you've never played disc golf and the last time you threw a Frisbee was during the Truman administration. I would invite you to probably practice disc golf before you go disc golfing for 18 tick, mosquito, muddy, sorrowful holes. Yeah, it was it was more than I bargained for. 
Yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me you didn't lose any of your $20 discs. No, d- absolutely not. Ironically, uh, my, my nephew Connor, who is a phenom, um, he lost like three, <laughs> but see, Chris, it, it's difficult to lose the disc when it's 13 feet in front of you. Come on. <laughs> That's true. But when you're like, you're working on like collegiate semi pro, he's really good. And he just <laughs> rifled somebody. We were playing at salmon falls disc, uh, which, which when you get to the end of Bernard road, then it goes class six and then it goes to Narnia <laughs> and it's tucked back in there somewhere. And you know, so yeah, there's streams and eight, Aiden, when we all showed up dressed in properly, shocking again, I know. Um, I'm picturing like golfish attire, not polo shirt and spikes, but we get out. And when you see people that are like, they're all dialed in, there's a, there's a lot of Bob Marley gear. Um, you know, they, 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 they celebrate the broccoli after the round. You know, there's a lot of that going on. And everybody's in like work boots. And I look down and I'm like, I'm in a pair of, adidas boost i'm like oh this isn't gonna play well at all yeah so underdressed underprepared under talented uh for a phenomenal cause and if you're getting into it get into it it's amazing yeah, the mentality behind it is amazing it's 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 and it's a lot more accessible than having to get arguably a two thousand dollar bag of clubs that i don't deserve but i still carry you know it took me about my my nephew got me online and i shopped up to about 130 bucks and had what i needed and I found the one I liked, the meteor. And he's like, just keep throwing that. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. It's, it's it's one more recreational activity that I don't have time for, but I'm intimately interested in. You're javelining. Is that a word? <laughs> I just added the ing to javelining. Yeah. You have time, Spartacus. You'll figure it out. Uh, Keller says this. Uh, the, uh, the the truth about success is that it comes down to this: being appropriate in the moments of your life. So yeah. how do you, how do you do that? So I love that you, you teed off with that back to golf. Um, you could look in Merriam Webster and look up what a goal is, right? And, and I'm going to paraphrase here. It's a, it's an assortment of activities placed in a logical order to get us to a desired outcome, whatever that ish, right? What is the purpose of a goal? The purpose of a goal is what you just said, to keep us appropriate in the moment. Are you willing to do now what will serve what you want then, right? Are you willing to make the sacrifice of what you truly want to do now? Are you willing to do the rough stuff now to get to where you want to go? And to be appropriate in the moment is, as we define it at our company, it's it, that's the purpose of a goal, is to remain appropriate in the moment. Just understanding you've got, and we we talked about this before, Everybody has their one thing. Everybody has their priority. You woke up today, you knew there was one thing that ultimately had to get executed in your professional life, your personal life, your athletic life. What was that one thing? And nothing else matters. Gary Keller, the author of the book on his desk in Austin has a note that says, if it's not my one thing, it's just a distraction. And that's what everybody's dealing with, with parenthood and kids and, and loved ones and schedules and, interpersonal relationships and your business commitments. How do I carve out the time? How do I make it possible for me to carve out the time to do? Let's just go back to like marathon prep to do the run that I need to do today to chronologically prepare myself for the event that I'm looking forward to. So is sleeping in more important than getting the run in or do you really want to be happy on that third Monday in April in Boston? Right. Yeah. So when, when, 
you know, as we as we talk about the the, the one thing, um, you know, I, I I feel like it can be difficult for people to narrow that down, like what what my one thing is. Mm. Uh, I mean, you I, I I appreciate you using the word priority singular rather than priorities plural. Yeah, Gary's um, huge on that. Yes. Yeah. Um. So. In the book, Keller talks about this thing called the focusing question. Mm. Uh, and and I'm, what I'm curious about is how does the focusing, what is a focusing question and how does the focusing question help us or help me or help an athlete or help or help anyone get to an understanding of what their one thing is? What, what is that? What is the focusing question? What does that mean? So uh, when, when I know I have one of my, uh, clients, one of my agents coming in to talk about their real estate business. Sometimes I'll just hit them when they come in, they sit down. I'm just like, so what was it in the hallway 28 seconds ago that you were hoping I wouldn't ask about? Right. And that, that uncovers a lot. Right. Um, when we first moved into our building here in Portsmouth, one of the first things that Nathan had put on, uh, we call it the shark tank. There's a glass conference room in the corner that faces the traffic on, on Lafayette road. And he had, uh, a local artist come in and put from the book, and I'm flipping around here. Oh, there it is. Kismet. Page 114 in the book called The One Thing um, are the seven buckets. And uh, inside the seven buckets of spiritual life, health, personal life, relationships, job, business, finances, is what we consider, based on the book here at Keller Williams, it is the, the focus in question, which is what is the one thing that such by doing causes everything else to be easier or unnecessary, right? What is the one thing I can do? And then there's three questions in there. What's the one thing I can do, right? That such by doing, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. And for most people in a sales situation, it's going to be to create more relationships, to generate the lead, to create, create met relationships from unmet relationships. For athletes, it's going to be whatever their training schedule is that day. Right. Like that's, that's their, if they're progressing towards an event, otherwise it's going to be their buckets now switch from spiritual life to health, to personal life, to relationships. And you could correlate it to these, but maybe we drilled it down deeper and it's about recovery. Right. And, right. and, and preparation, stretching, nutrition, rest. And, and, and like when people get into this, when our agents get into this, like, Wow, this gets really specific. There's a lot of work here. Welcome. Yeah. You know, depending upon where you want to go with your business, depending on what, when were you, are you going to play disc golf? Cause you were going to support an event of one of your friends and you're probably going to give the discs to your college bound son, Aiden, or are you going to the Olympics? It's the former, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love this quote from uh, from from Mark Twain because it, it it speaks to that, um, and it it speaks to this idea of um, of of how do we get to that focusing question? How do we get to mm -hmm. our one thing? And Twain, Mark Twain said, "The secret of getting ahead is getting started. The secret to yep. getting started is breaking your complex, overwhelming tasks into small, manageable ones, mm -hmm. and then starting on the first one." Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, you know, with with that. With, with, with that, with that idea then, um, you know, 
w- w- as we're coming up with this with this focusing question, um, I, I really like I really like the concept that Keller uh, that Keller um, uh, introduces, and that is, um, you know, uh, have a big picture but a small focus. Yep. Um, and so, but so, but but what does that mean practically? Uh, as I'm as I'm coming up with my with my one thing. Um, right, that that I need to do, such that by doing it makes everything else either easier or un, unnecessary. What 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 is my big picture, and and then what is my small focus? Can you can you like put that in perspective? Say, for instance, for for marathon training, when you were training for a marathon, helping to understand what your big picture was, and then what your small focus was. Well, I, I suppose the the big picture is where you're standing in the moment. And then looking out to what is the realization of the goal. So for for most people, ironic that we're talking about this because I was just talking to uh, a good friend of mine who like when you did it, what did you? So I I I um I said oh I did couch to five k because I was a professional coucher, and then I and then from there um we're, went on to like I think Hal Higdon is somebody that a lot, a lot of people trust and just put that plan in place, drop it into your calendar, then do the things right, do the damn things as you would say. So. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think as we get started, if and especially if you're a solo practitioner in in your physical training, if you're not on a team, if it's a, if it's a solo sport, you have to be the visionary. And you also have to be the production, right? So you have to you have to have the, the big picture is and I think about this is also late f- flies into the conversation of en- enlisting help, employing help. I've got a quote on my on my Instagram um, for my, for my coaching. And it says, broadcast your vision, narrow cast your focus. Because if you, if everyone knows what you're up to, and I did this back when I joined, uh, you know, our, our friends at, you know, and I politely and affectionately call them fat watchers. When I, when I first lost my weight, I made sure everybody knew. Right. And not that I needed somebody to slap a donut out of my hand in the hallway. Right. But just like, just like, high level of accountability. So broadcast your vision, broadcast what you're up to. So people will be part of your journey. And then there's all this strategy we can talk about. You've got to execute. So what do I do today? I've been playing, but I can't just sit there. It's like when people join a gym, well, I've got the thing on my keychain. Cool. And you're probably going for bagels and pizza. And I mean, no offense. We love them too. Right. right. But did you get on the treadmill? Did you lift the weights? Are you drinking the water? Are you do, like, what can you take action in today? And then simplifying it, because I think in everybody's industry, whatever profession you're in, I think we love to fancy ourselves rocket scientists and brain surgeons. And it's, it, it always falls back to simplicity and ease. And simplicity is, do you have the tools? Do you have the systems? Do you have a, do you have a game plan? Which you could Google right now. How do I prepare for the 18 weeks? And you would find Hal Higdon and others. But then you've got to marry that to execution, which is what am I doing now? So many people <laughs> that, yeah, I, I, one day, Christopher, I will learn how to silence my phone here and nobody calls me all the other times. It's like it's staged. I want to feel important for the podcast. Go down the hallway and call me. Yeah. So we're, so, you know, this, this discussion of, uh, of, of the, the, 
you know, the focusing question, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know, the really the two questions, the what's my big picture question, and then is what, what's my small focus question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- that is, you know, what what is my one what is my one big thing, and then what is the what is the one thing I need to do right now, right? Big yep. picture, small focus. Um, but it really p- puts an emphasis on asking a great question, right? Um, because I mean, it, what is my one thing? Obviously, is a question. So so asking ourselves great questions seems to me to be at least a part of the success formula. Um, So, you know, how do you ask, how do you ask a great question? What does a great question uh, uh, look like, um, you know, in, 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 in terms of Keller's philosophy? It's so funny. We just talked about this today. We have a, a month long class that we teach called ignite. And uh, I've always said to my clients on the back of my gravestone, um, which most of my teammates here are convinced it's coming sooner than later. So on the back of my gravestone, I'm going to buy three bullet points. This is not stolen. This is mine. Um, ask great questions, take great notes, have honest conversations. And Gary will tell you, and other thought leaders will tell you, great leaders don't have all the answers. We have all the questions. And when somebody says to me, okay, well, Timmy, you always say, ask great questions, take great notes, have honest conversations. What is a great question? The next one. Our job is to uncover your, and you know this as a, as, as a, as a coach of athletes, as a father, as a spouse, you are not going to ever, you can let somebody you love borrow some motivation from you, but you're never going to be as a coach of an athlete, a creator of motivation. No, totally. You're never going to motivate someone. You ask questions to help them decide what their logical next step step towards greatness is and that you help them uncover their motivation. Like I love the term motive aid. My job is to aid you towards your motive, right? Which is geared towards your goal. We uncover motivation by asking great questions and it's what's your logical next step. How do you define happiness? And, And going back to, you know, like the now and goal setting, and the big vision down to the very specific, what I want to do in five years, like Gary says, and I think a lot of the thought leaders will say, you could be anywhere you want to be in five years, right? And are you, are you willing to have that five-year goal, chunk it down to a three-year goal? What does your one-year your goal look like? And then we go from the year, great book, by the way, a lot of, a lot of plugs coming today, I, can, I think. Brian Moran, the 12-week year. And it's about breaking your life and goals, either personal or professional, into quarters. And the 12-week year, and people are like, well, a quarter would have 13 weeks, right? There's vacations, stupid, by the way. you got to take some time off, right? <laughs> you know, especially from work, if we're talking about a professional environment. So, right. so Brian Moran, that's a great book. And then what are your goals for the quarter, the month, the week, the day? And then ultimately, based on our conversation last time, what are you doing before lunch? You're working on your 80-20. You're doing the big rock things. And you've got to win the morning. If you can win the morning, I remember way back when I was in radio and, and uh, agent, uh, agent, listen to me, uh, a jock that I worked with. And he's just like, I'm not worried about my entire career because I'm worried about my next break because I want to make sure I'm going to say something witty, informative, concise, top 40 radio, got to hit the post. And he goes, and if I'm only ever worried about, you could correlate this to golf not worried about my whole round. I'm worried about my next shot. That's all that's in front of me. 
and be in the moment, be purposeful about being great in your next shot. And then you'll look back on a history of greatness, right? But if you can chunk it down to winning the morning and that for you as, as, as a physiologist, that's, that's, did you, did you choose the nutrition that's going to motivate you to choose your next great meal, right? When people go in cold Turkey, like, oh, I'm just going to quit smoking. Some people do. I'm going to start eating differently when you know, and you probably suggested to people that are looking to achieve weight loss. Let's work on knocking out breakfast. Like, I don't want you to have a hot fudge Sunday for lunch, but let's, let's work on breakfast. Not just like, I'm going to eat better tomorrow. And they're suddenly drinking that girl in everybody's office that comes in with a 30 pound Ziploc bag full of carrots and water. <laughs> and Judy, in two days, you're like, do you have jaundice? She's like, no, I've been eating carrots for 72 hours. Right. <laughs> like, you know, like ease into it, grow into it, adopt it, you know, and that's right back to creating the discipline to adopt the habits, to make them a change that you'll stick with. So how does, so how does this concept of, um, uh, of, of big and specific, uh, questions, uh, play into the, in, into the equation? Why, what, why is it important, uh, that the questions that you ask are big, uh, and that they are specific? Well, we want to make sure that we're, I, I guess, addressing everything on the canvas, right? So if we ask a really big question, we leave it open for them to sort of, uh, this is like, Christopher Walken when they did on SNL. I want you to explore the space. I need more cowbell. Like, like let's really talk about what it is. Cause if it's somebody who's going after a physiological goal um, or a business goal, like what's driving them to do that. So what's the big question. And I think that the struggle here, and I still struggle with this because I think a lot of people, and you've probably heard this with your clients as well. When you ask them, what is their, what's their one thing? That's usually the driver for them um, behind that is their why. Everybody has their why. And there's a, a great author. His name is Simon Sinek. His first book uh, was called um, Find Your Why. Or Start With Why, I apologize. He's got a learning series attached to it called Find Your Why. And I think the, the number one misconception for most people that have short people, if you have children, parents love to skate right to the puck that says, oh, it's my kid's. Said with love, it's not. Because woven into your DNA way before kids, way before your loved ones, way before your spouse or partner, your why was still in there. So to push it onto your kids, and I'm not saying you can't use them as motivation and people that are dependent upon you and why you grind every day, athletically, professionally, but it's not them. It's more than that. And I invite people to explore that book too, because I think your why correlated to what your one thing is we'll start to ask big questions because if we start out here and ask really big questions and then we can start with, there's a process that we have at our company called career visioning when we're hiring somebody. And one of the things that we do in the process is we, we sit with them and we, it's called, it's called getting the book and I'll sit down and I'll literally ask you from, from Dover high school, maybe even before that, get me to here. I still do it when I meet agents as they join our company. Get me from high school graduation to this conversation. Because along the way, I'm going to hear a history of successes or a history of blame. No judgment. Right? Are they solution-based or are they living in victimhood? But I'm also going to see how they're wired and how they overcame things in the past. And, and ultimately hear, like if, if Chris in his life story tells me, or I hear the word um, 
foundation and I, and meaning that you keep talking about a foundation, then I know that's important to you. So I hear family 75 times. I know that's important to you. And sort of like Pavlov's dog, ring the bell, the dog salivates when I see you in the hallway. Hey, Chris, how many appointments have you set? Oh, none. I haven't really gotten into it. What are you doing? What's going on? How can I help? What's keeping you from that? What's been more important than setting the appointment? Because I know that that's a building block for you to get to the point where you can start to be philanthropic and start that foundation. How's your family doing? I'm using all these keywords right. to talk right at you without talking or talk to you without talking at you. Because hmm. that yeah. stuff is a coach. I mean, I, I know, I've been in this role now for eight years and I know about seven and a half years ago, I turned into the teacher from the peanuts, right? <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Like they see me coming. They're like, oh God, here comes Lindsay, right? They, you know, but I, my job is to ask questions. My job is to be the antagonist and make them uncomfortable. So they move into growth. So, so if, if, if asking big questions stretches us beyond our comfort zone and, mm -hmm. and the, the truth is that, uh, that, that growth always occurs outside of our comfort zone mm -hmm. it rarely, it rarely occurs within our reach. Um, then, then, then why is asking specific questions, uh, important? So I, you know, I mean, kind of sort of put a, put a fine point on that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other part of, uh, of asking great questions is specific big and specific. Yeah. Um, what, what, why is it, why is it important when we ask ourselves, you know, these questions about what is our one thing that, that, that we're specific? Why, why not, why not intentionally be vague and le leave lots of things open to possibility? Because there's, uh, there's no success in shades of gray, right? Like there's like, we have to, and we talk about smart goals. It's probably an acronym that people in other companies have heard or used with their business conversations, a smart goal is specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, which I sort of hate that word. We'll get back to it. And time-based, right? What are you going to do? What, what, what is the spe specificity of what we're going to do, right? When are we going to do it by, right? Or how will we know we're making progress? It's measurable. I'm measuring my waist. I'm measuring my body fat. I'm jumping on the scale. I'm, I'm, uh, you're, you're coming over and I'm running my 40 yard dash. God help us. Right. You know, like you do with, like you do with Aiden, right. You put him through his paces to see if he's grown. Except I'd like to time you with the sundial rather than a stopwatch. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're getting there. And then, and, and then is it, is it achievable? Do you have everything you need to get it done? And I, I struggle with the realistic cause I'm sure you've heard it. I heard, I hear it in business conversations. Well, all right. Well, what's a realistic goal for a new agent? Well, I don't know. I'm still getting to know you. And we didn't. Did you come here to do realistic things? Everybody usually comes into real estate to leave their other profession. To make an inordinate amount of money and to create more free time for their loved ones to spend that inordinate amount of money. Right. And then it's time based. When are we getting this done by? Hmm. So the, the, the specific is we've got to get to the heart of the matter. What are we really setting out to do? Because, well, I want to sell this many homes start my foundation don't okay where does all of this start walk mm. it all the way back to the tip of the pencil which is right. doing what you need to do right now in the moment goal yeah. setting to the now yeah, right i mean that's yeah that's that's what i that, that's what i was picking up on is that the 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 specificity part gets to the small gets to the small focus mm -hmm. uh, it helps you to understand what you need to do right now um yep. uh, the, the 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 big concept uh, helps us to understand w w where we're heading. 
um, where where we will where we are ultimately what we are ultimately working toward. But being yep. specific helps us to determine the now. One of the other um, things that Gary talks about, he's got a class that he teaches, and I think we might have touched on it before, is called Quantum Leap. And I think when people hear that, they think of the Bad 80s show. Um, and then above and beyond that, I think people hear quantum and they think it's huge. It's actually mm -hmm. microscopic. It's small. And if you think about taking a flight, whether the pilot's flying or not, autopilot or not, when you leave Boston to fly to Austin, Texas, Boston Mass to Austin, Texas, that is not a straight line. There are millions of micro fixes taking place along the way to keep that plane on track. And that's more to it as well. It's about a lot of small things. They talk about it in the book too with the, with the, with the dominoes, right? It's one small action and they're stackable and it's compounding interest. He's an overnight success. No, you weren't here for the last eight years. Hmm. Yeah. You missed the prologue. Um, Keller also uses a, uh, I think a really powerful uh, visual uh, in the book when he begins to talk about extraordinary results. Mm. Um, and that is, that is this, uh, well, for lack of a better way to describe it, it's a success pyramid um, that has three levels. Um, if you think of a pyramid, the bottom part of the pyramid is the, is the, is the widest uh, mm -hmm. part of the pyramid uh, all the way up to the tippity tops. So there, there are three levels to this, to this, to this uh, pyramid. Um, can you, can you describe that to the listener? So, when people want to be successful or when people get into anything, we, we immediately want to become, or we want to bring our God given talents in, right? Be entrepreneurial. Right. And we want to, we want to, we, I always say this to my agents, you're not allowed to frost down bake cake. It's always a food analogy, right? Like you just don't get to do that. You got to be foundational. Right. Um, so um, when we're talking about the pyramid, and I'm trying to find the, the, the page in the book we're on here. As my reference point. Where are we? Do you know where we are? Uh, yeah, I believe you're going to find that. Um, on... Are they reading along at home? That's my question. I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> uh... I was just going through these these chapters earlier too, and I, uh, yeah, you're gonna find that on page 133 and 134. But 133 is the page that you're looking for. Yep. Figure 22. Yep. Figure 22. Of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> so, being foundational. And starting with, I mean, and this goes back to what is, what's your, what's your why, right? Right. Yeah. And why are we doing all this now? Again, the overnight success plays right back into this image because the, the, the graphic they use in the book is the iceberg and all people see is what's getting done. People see, well, really, and it talks, it references as productivity, but it's the results, Right. They don't see the purpose, why you're doing it. Because when we talk to people, why you're doing this, you would think, well, they're doing it to win this race. They're doing it to be part of this team if we're talking about athletes. But sometimes it goes way off, not way off track, but it goes to a much different place. And we find this when we do getting the book and career visioning that they're like, well, it's because I want to, um, I really want to edify my family name. 
Like nobody else in my family has ever done something like this. And that's the differentiation between what, what I think most Americans would call success and significance. It's not about the money. And people say that, you're like, well, we're here to be profitable. It's a business. Yes. But we also have people that we work with that you find out like, wait a minute, why are you working? Like your parents own what? Like you could just go golfing if you wanted to. For those people, it's usually about significance, not success, right? So finding out what their purpose is. So we know why are you doing this? Everybody gets up. Right. Some of us have the pleasure of working from home like yourself, Christopher, but a lot of people get up and get into a car and drive away from their loved ones. Why? Right. What is driving you literally and figuratively driving you away from your family to go do this thing? What is that? What's that purpose? Right. And then every day, our list of things to do in that goal, because it's changing, it's ever changing. I mean, there's a lot of things that you do every day that people do every day, but based on who you're interacting with, the, the, the list of to-do things, and we talked about the, the three Ds last time, mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have, and I, and I think he's hyper clear about being um, singular here, your priority for the day. So mounted on purpose, priority into productivity. What do I do? So this is, this is why I'm doing this, right? This is what needs to be done today to get me there. And these are the actions, Right. There's the plan and the action. Right. So the motivation, the plan and the action. What's my actionable item? So the so so really the um, the, the purpose, uh, that foundational element uh, is my big picture. That is my that's my big picture. My priority is my small focus. And and by 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 doing the right thing in the correct moment consistently. Mm. Yep. That will that will yield productivity. Right. Um, so to sort of kind of continue with that with that line of thinking, then, um, you know, Keller, uh, when Keller talks about purpose, he, 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 he talks about living with purpose. And I we're going to have some story time here, if you don't mind me reading, mm -hmm. reading a story. Sure. Um, this is actually from the book. It's called The Begging Bowl. And I think it I think it bears reading because it's incredibly powerful. And I want you to comment on it after I after I read it. So uh, so this is a story from uh, from the one thing called The Begging Bowl. Upon coming out of his palace one morning and encountering a beggar, a king asks, what do you want? The beggar laughingly says, you ask as though you can fulfill my desire. Offended, the king replies, of course I can. What is it? The beggar warns. Think twice before you promise anything. Now, the beggar was no ordinary beggar, but the king's past life master who had promised in their former life, I will come to try and wake you in the next life. This life you have missed, but I will come again to help you. The king, not recognizing his old friend, insisted, I will fulfill anything you ask, for I am very, a very powerful king who, who can fulfill any desire. The beggar said, it's a very simple desire. Can you fill this begging bowl? Of course, said the king. And he instructed his, his vizier to fill the man's begging bowl with money. The vizier did, but when the money was poured into the bowl, it disappeared. So he poured more and more. But the moment he did, it would disappear. The begging bowl remained empty. Word spread throughout the kingdom, and a huge crowd gathered. The prestige and power of the king were at stake. So he told his vizier, if my kingdom is to be lost, I am ready to lose it, but I cannot be defeated by this beggar. 
he continued to empty his wealth into the bowl, diamonds, pearls, emeralds. His treasury was becoming empty. And yet the begging bowl seemed bottomless. Everything put into it immediately disappeared. Finally, as the crowd stood in utter silence, the king dropped at the beggar's feet and admitted defeat. You are victorious, but before you go, fulfill my curiosity. What is the secret of this begging bowl? The beggar humbly replied, there is no secret. It is simply made up of human desire. How does so that speak I, to you? Go ahead. Yeah, how does, that, how does that speak to you? My initial thought was, going back to ask great questions, which is the next question, he asked him to fill the bowl. And I appreciate historically when somebody's holding the coffee mug full of pencils and the tin can next to it, it's drop a quarter, take a pencil. Did you see that they pulled out the last payphone of New York City? Uh, yeah. For some, <laughs> for some local context, that was weird. Um, he never specified because the king never asked filled with what? Like well, fill it with what? Right. So, I mean, that's, that's where my head went as you read that. It's, it's not filling up because you're not filling his cup because you're adding something he didn't ask for. He asked you to fill his cup. This is what I hear as a coach. Like my, my job is to, to do what I can all day long to fill my agent's sales full of power and hope and love and charity and service and also make sure I bring enough of that home so I can serve my family. Right. And I'm here doing all that. And the end game is profitability and money. But in that moment, I don't think the beggar was looking for money. I think the beggar was looking for. Right. Charity. You know, uh, the, the, the things that are, are not. I mean, it, it's almost like it says, what does it say right on the, 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 the old phrase, give to God, what is God's give to. Why am I struggling with this in Rome? It says it says it on the coins. Right. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Right. Caesar's was money. You know, God is God is beyond all this. And I think I think it's more of there was no specification on what he was actually asking. He asked him to have his bowl filled. Right. Fill my cup, fill my bowl, pour into me. But it wasn't specified that it was money. So it was never going to be enough because it was the wrong thing. So you can be off. You can be way off course. It's like you can go in. With a dull axe and try to knock down a whole bunch of trees or you can just keep working on one tree. It's going to take longer, but if you focus your efforts in one place and do the right thing and be specific by asking, what does it require for me to be successful here? He assumed it was money. Hmm. Yeah. You know, that story, that story speaks to me um, uh, in a way that's, that's I think relatable to a lot of, a lot of endurance athletes. Um, you know, the, the biggest challenge for us oftentimes is, is making sure our life isn't a bottomless pit of desire. Right. In, in which we're, we're continually searching for the next thing to make us happy. You know, this happens to athletes all the time, right? Yep. Um, you know, uh, an athlete hires a coach because they want to run a PR, uh, in the marathon mm. and, um, you know, the, the athlete and coach work really hard and the athlete achieves that the, the athlete assumes 
that if they run the PR, it's going to make them happy. Because ultimately, what, what, are we, what, what are most of us, what are all of us pursuing? We're pursuing happiness. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's, right? that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the ultimate life objectives is to pursue happiness. And so for athletes, oftentimes, um, what happiness equates to is some performance outcome. And athlete works really hard um, and uh, accomplishes their, uh, their, uh, their objective and yep. they run a PR. And, and for a very short period of time, they feel a tremendous amount of happiness and satisfaction. But in a, but in, in a, in a similarly, seemingly very short period of time afterwards, that feeling of happiness disappears. Mm -hmm. And they begin to think, well, if I just ran a 330 marathon, um, I wonder if I could run a 325. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and 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 they they continually move on to the next thing to mm. make them happy. So yep. so in a in a sense, right? It's not it's not the outcome ultimately that Definitely leads that. to happiness, right? It's the it's the journey, it's who yep. we become in the process yep. of working toward that, working toward that goal. Well, um, I mean, do, do you see that? Do you see that in your coaching? I, I, I think the, the correlation you just drew with success being the PR success being, I finished Boston success. Uh, I went sub four success. I went sub 30. Who did you meet along the way over the course of the 18 weeks? And I talk about this with, with, with our agents here. If you're, if you're planning and we encourage them to do quarterly events, cause then you can spend 90 days around your event each quarter doing lead invitation instead of lead generation. And it's more fun to invite. How do I create value? So that goes also back to success and significance. You are successful that you finished your marathon. You were successful. You ran a PR. Who were you significant to along the way? You said to me way back when, and a lot of people did, dude, this is not about April 15th. This is about the 18 weeks leading up to April 15th. April 15th is a celebration of all the work. True. But the best part of doing it, which people will disagree with you midwinter when ice is slamming off your bedroom window at 4.30 in the morning, this, the, the best part of this is the morning run. The best part of this are your long runs. The best part of this is the taper. The best part of this is going home to eat sushi at your parents' house. Afterwards, of course, not that I'm for a bad idea. Very bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> right? But I, I think that all plays into it. It's success and significance. Right? And it's not, a, it's not about not about the event it's about to your point the journey mm. and the growth on on the journey yeah it's <laughs> although as you know that's not necessarily always an easy sell because no because the, because the mindset is all all based on the destination is all based on crossing that finish line at that specific time right. or crossing that finish line in, in a certain specific uh finish place and yet again ultimately those those rewards do not lead to long term sustainable happiness. They lead to short term happiness, which eventually fades. And then we get mm. this this pit in our stomach like I could give more. I could mm. do more. And mm. it's 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 this eternal search for happiness yep. that that ultimately just leaves us in a kind of a, um, you know, it, it leaves us in that limbo, that state yep. between unhappiness yep. and happiness that we, you know, we and, and we, we have this 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 incredible feeling of being unfulfilled. Uh, and and feeling as though we we have unfulfilled promises that we've that we've made to ourselves and and quite honestly I think that's a pretty miserable way, way to yeah. live right when 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 you feel like 
you know, once I reach the mountaintop, to use another analogy, that that's going to be the pinnacle for me. And I'm right. going to um, I am going to have achieved everything in my life that I wanted to achieve. And once you stand on top of the mountain, you, you look out over the rest of the mountain range and realize there's, a, there's another mountain out there that's actually right. even taller. Yep. And all well, of and a sudden, it, yeah, it's perception, too. And with with all, all the stupid crap we've done over the winter with snowshoe racing and stuff like that, I only did Washington once. And I remember you and other people saying, uh, you're, you know, just calm down. You're looking at your half marathon time. And I was a slugger. So I'm like, okay, then I want to get to the top of this gravel pile in under two hours. And I think I got to the split at 55 and I'm like, just don't die. Just don't. And I, you know, and I got up there and I one, I forget what I was, but I was sub two. Thank God. But we know the rock stars do this in 50 minutes. Right. And I also, and we witnessed this. I remember, you know, cause the studs, like you leave the parking lot and, most of them are halfway up the mountain and I'm still trying to get out of the parking lot. And it's just like yelling, please don't die. And I remember seeing just some really phenomenal athletes that you and I know coming back down the mountain with their hands on their hips. Cause it wasn't their day. And that to me is a terminal position. Like I, I never got to that space and I was never, I, I ran to keep myself going I wasn't running to run. Like, I don't know how to explain that any better unless you've gone through a weight loss journey and all that stuff. It was the thing I was doing to, to, to keep my head right. And I thought to myself, my God, because they were going to be two minutes behind their PR or whatever. It was a fait accompli and they were heading back to their car mm. um, and, and, and just pulling the rip cord because, and, but for them, that's fine. But to your earlier point, you, you went from your five Ks to your 10 Ks to your halves. And at some point, now you're just like, okay, what else do I do? I'm doing full irons. And that takes a lot of prep to do them. And then you're trying to PR on these full irons. And you're, you're chasing, as Matthew McConaughey would say, I'm chasing myself. I'm chasing my future self. And you and I both know as you're doing this, you're getting grayer. You know? Things, things are changing. And you're like, I don't know how much more I can do this. And, that, and there's going to be a dissatisfaction with what some other pedestrians are watching saying, Man, look at you, Stacy, Ted. You've crushed all these things, but they're only looking at their next. You're, I'm as good as my next race, my next right. finish. Yeah, no, there's Tough no, there's, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's no question. And um, you know, I, time and time again, my happiest uh, athletes, uh, most content athletes, mm. uh, are the ones that lean into the process uh, and you know have a have a journey based uh, yep. mindset. Uh, rather than a destination mindset. The middle part of that pyramid is priority. And Keller talks about living by priority. Um, specifically, he talks about goal setting to the now. Mm. Now you 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 referenced this a little bit earlier, but I yeah. want you to I yeah. want you to expound upon it a little bit uh, about this concept of goal setting to the now, this idea of living we live by priority. Yeah. So um this all correlates so well. Um, Jeff Woods, who is the president of The One Thing, uh, it's G-E-O-F-F, -F, Jeff Woods. When he was interviewing with Gary and Jay to take the role and be president of uh, The One Thing and, and travel the country and teach it and, and, and promote it, he was doing, we have two different things that we use at our company. There's one that's called the 411, which we just use that numeric acronym to sound sexy it's actually a 114 it's your annual goals your monthly goals your weekly goals and you chunk it down and that typically is a that typically would be a dynamic form 
you're going to be every week, obviously, because we get to the weeks, you're going to be erasing and replacing or ripping up and moving on. You've accomplished something, so you're moving something up. The other one that we used to call the 135, um, but we primarily call the GPS, goal, priority, strategies. There is one goal supported by um, three priorities, and those are, those are edified by five strategies. And it, that, it's imperfect math. We've gotten away from the 135. We call it the GPS. Jeff Woods is in this room with Gary. Must have been a pleasure. Hi, Gary. Um, so Jeff, he's not listening. Maybe he is. I don't know, Chris. You've got you, dozens of people checking out our episode today. Um, he's and, and and Jeff Woods is trying to move through his 135. Um, just initially getting started in the process with them. And he keeps moving from priority one to priority two. And Gary would keep pulling him back and asking questions about priority one. And Gary's point was, you know, you have not earned the right to move to priority two until priority one is knocked out of the park. And you've created a system and a model around what that needs to do to run at a high level. And you've surrounded yourself and leveraged yourself with either human capital, right? Manpower um, and, and the materials and everything you need to make that run. So when you talk about goal setting to the now, it is, it is that what is your someday goal? And you can find all of this on the website for the book. What is your someday goal? And you keep chunking that down like we talked about. And yeah, the pie in the sky, the, the Chris and Karen Dunn Foundation, like whatever that long-term philanthropic, whatever you want to do before you go to the beach for good, whatever your legacy play is, cool. What are we doing right now? And we chunked it all the way back to one year, quarter, month, week, day, this morning. How do we win the morning? which feels hyper granular and more problematic than ever now in, in, in the world that we live in. Well, yeah, cool. But like, so I have to do what to get like, dude, I just bought a car on my phone, right? <laughs> we got a lot of people that want instant gratification and they got to be okay to your point about the process, right? Joel Embiid, 76ers, trust the process. Well, yeah, you got to just got to fall in love with the grind. And this 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 concept of goal setting to the now, um, in other words, um, having intermediate intermediate steps between your someday goal, that big big lofty grand goal, sure. and what your right now goal is important because uh, it, it can get really overwhelming if you are standing if you are in the space you are in now, mm -hmm. and you begin to think, how am I possibly going to to accomplish that someday goal? Like in other words, there's there doesn't seem to there doesn't seem to be a pathway to get there. Mm. Um, you know, you, you use the analogy of of flying from Boston to Austin. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, it it can feel overwhelming to think I'm um, you know I'm in Boston. How in the world am I possibly going to make it to Austin? And right. the truth is, you 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 know you can't get to Austin until you get out of Massachusetts, right? right. And you can't and you can't you know you're not going to get you're not going to get to uh to, through you know new, over New York City until you've until you've 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 left the city of Boston. So there there this concept of of goal setting to the now helps us to break the steps down and it, yep. and it, it um it 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 makes what a seemingly impossible task yeah is into a series of possible tasks we want to chunk it down always how do you yeah. eat an elephant one bite at a time right? Right. right and 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 the simplification lets people wrap their heads around it right and we can talk about roger bannister the four minute mile nobody that's an impossibility until he did it then there was a roadmap 
And that's the beauty that we have. That's, that's the differentiation between simple and easy. If you find it difficult or uneasy, it's because you're in the way. There's so, so many reference points now. Never mind the books that we have at my company, books that you, you talk about all the time. Um, there's, you can find the roadmap to accomplish anything on planet America. It's a French term. You know, I don't want to write this down. Google.com, right? It's all there. Like, how do I do X? And you're suddenly finished fixing your dishwasher. I mean, I'm not going to do that because I'll just make it worse. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. We have so much data available to us. And I appreciate the way people are wired. One of the things that we do here is we have a we have a disk assessment we run along with the KPA, the Keller Personality Assessment. The disk assessment is ultimately just how you're wired. And our owner here, Nathan, he's high D. Like he pulls up in the van, the door swings open, get in. Where are we going? Shut up, get in, right? And I'm sort of cool because I'm a high eye. Like I get to get in. We're probably going to listen to the radio, maybe stop for lunch. I can talk because I don't know where we're going, but I get to talk. <laughs> but if you're an S or a C, a supporter or, or, the, or the coordinator, the coordinator is like, where's the map? Do we have enough gas? Did anybody pack sandwiches? Right. And you have to, you, I, you identify who you are and the other people in your life that need to be the D and the S and the C, and you're going to be okay. Right. But I, I also need to know as a coach, who am I talking to? What is their genius zone? Do they learn? And I know, you know, do they learn visually, auditorily, or kinesthetically? Is it, am I going to, again, audio triggers, word triggers with them. If I know that you're kinesthetic, hey, I understand how you feel, Chris. If you're visual, hey, I see what you're saying, Karen, right? Or if you're auditory, you know, I, I, I hear what you're talking about, Jim. And they're like, oh, they really get me. And that, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it comes down. Sheet. It comes down to comes down to the, the two most important things, mm -hmm. right? That uh, that that your clients uh, uh, or your athletes want want to know that they are being listened to and yeah. that they and are being for. cared for, right? Yeah, heard and cared uh, for. Yeah, you 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 taught me that really important lesson. On the very top of the pyramid um, is uh, live for uh, uh, productivity. Um, Keller talks about about time blocking uh, as as one of the key mm. strategies for mm -hmm. living for productivity. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, about your take on on time blocking. Uh, how how do we live for prior, pro, uh, for productivity? Well, this is about people not wanting to be disciplined. I think, <clears throat> and certainly our generation grew up with. You heard discipline, and it was about being admonished, punished, grounded. Right, that was disciplinary actions. Right. Um, and people say, oh, I live a disciplined life. Nobody, nobody's actually doing that. It's like trying to live the balanced life. We're balancing your discipline and in, 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 right. It, like it's, it's just not a thing. Can you be disciplined enough to create the habit for long enough that it becomes a lifestyle choice? Right. So if, if you are time blocking our biggest concern, especially in our professional lives, is like, well, yeah, I got my calendar blocked out so nobody can call, even though they do because I can't run the phones here, <laughs> you know, but I'm going to protect my space. And obviously, when we went into COVID here, and because I'm usually on camera and on mic with with most of my uh, agents because of the size of our footprint, I do have I had somebody came in yesterday, somebody came in today. But for the most part, I'm probably at 98 percent doing it this way. And to protect those conversations that are uber private, because people, as I'm sure with you, um, they get that there's there's a lot of stuff that they're bringing with them to the conversation, both professional and physiological. And I think there is baggage and there's emotion and I get it all the time. 
Hey, can I speak freely in here? This stays between us. I'm like, yes, I know where all the bodies are hidden. I've been talking to all of you for years. Like you can say whatever you want. We're in the confessional. And so my door is locked. So I, I'm in a very safe space because my door is locked. People have to knock. The people I care about have my code. Other than that, you're not getting in. Our CEO doesn't have the code in my room. Thank God. Right. So, so that being said, I can protect my space. But Gary talks about when you're time blocking, again, big and gray or super specific because what people will do, especially in real estate, you know, Hey, well, um, I'm going to do my, 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 I'm going to time block my lead generation from nine to 11. And if I open their calendar, it would just say lead generation. Well, I appreciate that, Stacy. What the hell does that mean? Well, the, I don't know the thing that you guys always say we should be. So what do you do during that time? I, I don't, I, I don't really know, but can you go in and chunk it down and say in those two hours? And I don't really actually educate my agents to do more than one thing pun intended, but make Monday because your energy, you're, you're full of energy on a Monday morning. Make that your lead generation time. I'm calling the people I know and love and trust to find out who they know and love and trust that I haven't met yet. Tuesday's lead follow-up. Maybe Wednesday, I'm doing social media. Maybe Thursday, I'm doing door knocking, right? But I'm very specific about what I'll do in that time. And if I'm going to be in my office, doors locked, granola bars, water, and make a trip to the men's room or the girls' room before you start so you don't go out into the hallway and get sniped, as Gary calls it. Time blocking is feels really annoying to the person who came into certainly the real estate industry. Like, well, no, I, I'm going to go. I don't know. I think they call it independent contractor. I'm, I'm going to be working for myself. That, this just in, sucks, right? Like, that just, it's not, you know this. The best part of you working for you, you're in charge. The worst <laughs> part of you working for you. You're in charge. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. Because until you got a system going, Chris, right. Until you really started to get your clients lined up. And and then you still got to be dad and you got to be dog dad and the loving husband to Karen. And and you're I trust there's a piece of me that feels like you're probably the property manager making sure everything's ship shape at the house, right? And coaching clients, your own, your own well-being. Like that, there's your calendars. People, your friends probably that don't understand your calendar is probably more stringent than theirs in corporate America. Well, it's funny. I mean, it's really funny that you say that because, um, you know, with 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 all the freedom and flexibility in the world, working for myself, mm -hmm. um, I've had I've had to actually be more <laughs> structured than, than at any other time professionally, because mm -hmm. ultimately for me, uh, what's important uh, is is both both time spent on my business, obviously that's mm. my, that's my bread and butter. Um, but also time, uh, uh set aside for me to do th the things that I want to do. And mm -hmm. so, um, I, <laughs> I have a, I have a very structured call schedule, um, in which I only schedule calls, um, from, you know, a certain day of the week to a certain day of the week at only three very specific times outside of that. I don't, I don't schedule calls because, mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't want any, I don't want, I don't want my, my professional life to, to take away from the things, from the reason that I am a self-employed entrepreneur. Because mm. <laughs> if I was a self-employed entrepreneur and I just worked all the time and didn't have any time to, for me, then I think that would be defeating the purpose. I might as well work for somebody else and punch out at four o'clock in the afternoon and, and then have, there. The, and have yep. the rest of the day for me. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it is, it is an interesting, it's, it's an interesting paradigm to have all the time in the world. And yet for me, I need to, I need to be, I need to be very structured with, with that combination and interplay between my, 
my my personal life uh, and my and my professional life. Let me let me ask this follow up question as it relates to to time blocking um, for you personally when you were uh, when you were training for marathons, right? So I mean, at yeah. the time you were. Uh, you know, you, well, you, you were a professional, uh, you were, you were a father, you were a, you were a husband, you were a, so you, you had all these other things going on too. Mm -hmm. And you were also training for a marathon. How did you do it? How, did, did you, did you, did you time block out your, your physical activity pattern? Like when, you know, when, when you were super busy and you added one more thing that is training for the Boston marathon, mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. in the world were you able to be productive? Yeah, it, it was um, always a challenge, and I think that's an easy answer, so I'll expound upon that. Uh, without fail, it had to be in the morning. I don't know. I think we talked about this before, Chris. I don't know how people leave Liberty Mutual. I'll paint the picture for you. It's late November. It's just after Thanksgiving. It's sleeting out. You just got home. You walk inside. You can smell the crock pot. It's warm. Your kids run up to you. You're like, I'm going to get changed and go to Globo Gym. Like, I don't know how people do it. And people do it, and God bless them. For me, and I don't, I, and this wasn't because I, I, I think I was doing this before I was diving into the one thing, but I was at Keller probably. I absolutely was. For me, it had to be first thing in the morning. And I think I shared with you some of the uh, bullshittery I had in my head about like, oh, I don't want to wake up Janina opening the drawers. All right, then get your running clothes out the night before. What's the one thing that you can do that such by doing everything else becomes easier, unnecessary, and your pants are out, right? <laughs> like, so, and, and to me, it was just get up and get up, get dressed and go, get up, get dressed and go. And, and I ran the same circuit, you know what it was, up into the classics just to get my daily miles in, my weekend runs. I think my, my first Bay State, my weekend long run, I ran from our neighborhood over to Bow Lake, around Bow Lake, and then back to my sister's house. I don't know. I figured out how I mapped out 20 miles. Right. And, and I was excited about the process. I'm not going to lie on some of those, some of those school days, those mornings that I'm getting up to get back to shave, to shower, to get dressed, to go to work, but everything about what you're doing. Cause you, your, my whole demeanor, everything was approached differently because you already did more than most do. And you're starting your day that way. And, and, and you've done the exercise. You're fueling your body properly. It's the best version of you at that point, right? So, um, but for me, it had to be first thing in the morning. I don't know how people would prep for a marathon after school, after work. Like I just, I, I, you're so, and I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go out and eat chocolate bars now and smoke some Paul Malls. I wasn't doing ridiculous stuff afterwards, but the energy level after work to get the run in, I'm sure I did it here and there because I had to. But it was always first thing. Well, it, it, I mean, that reminds me of uh, of one of, of of another one of Mark Twain's uh, favorite quotes of mine, uh, and that is, um, <laughs> "If you've got to, if you've got to eat a frog, eat it first thing in the morning. Do hard things. Yep. And if you if you have to eat two frogs, eat the bigger one first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> eat your vegetables. Yeah. Do hard things. Yeah. Um. Well, it's the, 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 the Navy author, and I've, I've got the book because I've, I've quoted the, the title of the book so many times. One of my agents actually brought it to me. Embrace the suck. We talk about it all the time. And that is the, that is the long, when you, when you look at gradually then suddenly, and you look at, and, and it's in here about, about doing the things, and then all of a sudden efforts connect and take off. But the long line of why am I doing this? 
and keeping your head down and doing the right things because you're following a system and a model that is trusted and other people that have done it before you have been successful until the breakdown before the breakthrough, the day you're about to quit, swing the hammer one more time. And, it, and, and that's where the extraordinary results come in. Everything exciting, everything amazing in your career, in your physical career, in your professional career is going to be hiding in the mundane, right? The person who wins the Boston Marathon next year stands to reason we will have never heard of him or her, the para-athlete, any of them. And we'll be like, oh my God, that's so cool. They probably just you know figured that out in the last five weeks. Or they've been running forever in Kenya, hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, it actually, it actually reminds me that <laughs> it reminds me of the, of, of the, uh, of the bamboo tree story, right? The, the monk who waters the waters, the ground for years and years. <clears throat> um, and people walk by and keep asking the monk, what, why are you watering the dirt? Like nothing is happening. You're crazy. You should move on. But the monk knows that if he, if he continually and, and consistently waters the dirt, eventually the bamboo shoot will pop out of the ground. And when it does pop out of the ground, it grows exponentially. Mm -hmm. Right. And, 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 and I mean, I, I think there's really important lessons in that too, right. That you, you gotta, you gotta lean in on consistency and it doesn't really appear as though things are happening. Mm -hmm. um, but it, but at some point, again, to, uh, to, to sort of further that, you know, the, using this, this concept of, of compound interest, right. The, uh, the, the, the small investment we make today, uh, is additive. And so when we invest mm. again tomorrow, um, it's yesterday's investment plus today's investment. And then the next yeah. day, um, and, uh, and, and, and it, and it grows that way. Well, um, it's, and it's a thought process too. I think when you're talking to athletes, especially if you have like a full science project show up, it's somebody who, who really needs to change their nutrition. They need to lose a decent amount of weight and then they, they want to become a runner or a cyclist or whatever the case may be. I think people would admit beyond the shadow of a doubt that the first time they complete a day that they've eaten differently, they already mentally feel better. They feel changed. And, and that's the driver, right? Like that goes by if we discuss point far, it's programming thoughts, feelings, actions, results. And as soon as you start to think differently, you're going to feel differently. You're going to act differently. You're going to garner different results. And I think a nutritional change, like, oh, I'm eating better. Psychosomatically, I feel better. And we want to keep building upon that, you know? And I think that's, that's the biggest thing. If we can change the way we feel about what we're doing and what we think about how we feel about what we're doing, the results will show up. I don't, yes, I don't, you don't go to a gym in one day. I don't think there's any question about that. And <clears> I, <throat> I, I always said that to, to, my, uh, to my cardiac patients, um, you know, focus on that feeling when your hand hits the door mm -hmm. when you're leaving the gym. Mm-hmm. Cause it's that feeling that's going to get you back through the door tomorrow. Yep. Right. Cause if yep. you focus on, if you, if you focus on the fact that your weight isn't changing and that, mm -hmm. and that you still feel stressed and an exercise makes you sweaty and makes your legs hurt, then why would anyone possibly right. want to do it again? Right. But focus on the way it makes you feel. Right. Tim, the last thing I want you to talk about is, um, is, is one of the specifically one of the three commitments that uh, Keller talks about in the book, one of the three commitments to, to, to the one thing. And that is this concept of moving from E, the letter E as an egg yes. to P as in Patty. Um, what, 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 what is Keller talking about when he, when he, when he talks about um, committing to moving from E to P? So in our office, um, in my, my last space, actually two offices ago, um, 
I think I'm in my final office. They're getting ready to retire me. Yeah. <laughs> Only took the kid 12 years to get windows. Very <laughs> excited. Nathan will stress that I had hallway windows before. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. Um, but in my uh, when I took the role of coach here at the company, the only thing I had on the wall <clears throat> that was Keller specific was this actual image that's in the one thing. Uh, and it's also, I believe it's in the one thing. It's definitely in the millionaire real estate book, which plays off of this and it's EDP. And what is it? What are they talking about? If you look at the image, it's moving from entrepreneurial to purposeful. And, and that entrepreneurial is when you, when you first get started as an athlete, if you've got God-given talents, when you first get started in your industry, whatever your God-given talents are, correlating it to real estate, it's when we come in and we're just dangerous enough that we get one deal done, right? But then eventually, because we want to start to grow in a purposeful way, we have to become purposeful. We have to move from E to P, from entrepreneurial to purposeful. And that's about putting systems and models in place. And, and, and following a process that others before us have followed that has worked for them. And there might be some nuances and adjustments we make, but nonetheless, because what we know is most people and your athletes do it too, Chris, they're going to hit an achievement ceiling. And if you're doing the same, and, and this is, this is, well, I go to the gym and I, and you go to the gym and you do the same thing. Well, if you never, you know, if you never up your weight on your strength training, you're not going to progress. You're, you're, you're going in. It's, it's probably turning into light cardio at this point. You're not, you're not tearing muscles and growing new muscles and all that kind of stuff. If you aren't um, running more minutes, if you aren't stretching deeper, all those things, there's no progress. You're, you're going to get to a certain place and you'll feel like, wow, I've been going to the gym for five years. And every year I get to this achievement ceiling. Well, if you want to break through that, the question you have to ask yourself, and that's what Gary wants everybody to think about, is there's usually a lack of, one, two, or three. And it might be one. It could be two of these things. For a lot of people, it's three. You're missing in order to make that breakthrough. Otherwise, people go into resignation. And they're like, well, I'm just going to go back January 1st and go to the gym and do the same things again. And I think there was a quote about that from our good friend Einstein, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Keep doing the same things and you're waiting for different results. Right. We call it insanity. So you have to ask yourself in your professional life or in your physiological life, do you require a tool, a system, or a relationship? And I would argue it could be all three. And the reason for this is with your javelin, in, 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 right? Making that a compound sentence. With me and my golf clubs, with, with, with me with my golf discs that I bought. <laughs> I had the tool. Did I know what I was doing? No, I'd never followed a system. God bless my nephew, Uncle Timmy. Have you thrown the discs yet? No, it's going to be great. We're going to have a good time. No arrests. <laughs> Nobody got arrested, right? Or the relationship. And the relationship is going to be the coach. For my agents, the tool would be a script. I don't like scripts. They don't sound like me. I know because you've never said the words. The system might be time blocking. The system might be their CRM, their customer relationship management tool, how you're managing your, your professional relationships with your clientele in your business and for you with your coaching. And then the relationship, the tool, the system, and the relationship. The relationship is going to be a coach. The relationship is going to be the person that can guide you and hold you accountable to everything that you're setting out to achieve. So if an athlete has like, well, I'm, I'm sort of maxed out. How do I break through? Well, what's a tool you could use? 
right? Maybe a tool is a piece of equipment. Maybe it is your next mountain bike. Maybe it is some equipment for the gym that a lot of people bought during COVID. The system oh, yeah, might a, be a... Yeah, or a whoop band or... Uh, yeah. Or, yeah, right. We love the whoop strap. We do. You, you wake up, you feel rested. Your whoop strap tells you you weren't rested. You're like, oh, I'm not rested. It's so psychosomatic. I feel great, but my whoop strap says I'm on a 39% recovery. And, like, and couldn't, couldn't, couldn't a system be uh, a new way of looking uh, at yeah. a training program? I mean, if, yep. I'm, if I'm thinking about it yep. from a coaching perspective... Um, you know, a, a, an athlete has been doing it a certain way for a certain length of time and has, has plateaued, uh, in terms of their, in terms of their performance, um, because they've, they've, they haven't considered that there's another way to do it. Um, and wouldn't the system then be, um, a new program design, uh, a, yes. a, a new, a new way, a new way to do things, a new way to organize things, yep. maybe running less or maybe running slower, yep. uh, or maybe adding, if you're a runner, maybe adding more cross training, wh whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the relationship, the relationship is that professional relationship with a, with a coach. But I mean, people can buy the tools, and mm -hmm. people can download the systems. Yep. So why, 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 why is the relationship part? Why does that matter? Think back to any time in your life that you've ever been successful. You've employed help. You have, you have asked for help. What did I say earlier? Broadcast your vision, narrowcast your, your, your activities. Right? Narrowcast your efforts. Broadcast your vision. Are you employing help? Are there people... I mean, here's like, you know, back to back to the four minute mile, Roger Bannister. How many people reached out to him and said, how'd you figure that out? What did you do? What was your plan? That was their relationship. They reverse engineered the three. Mm -hmm. That was their relationship. He imparted upon them his knowledge. They made it work for them. Right. His wisdom was the tool. He was the relationship they needed. His wisdom was the tool. And the way they made it fit into their lives, into their busy schedule was their system. But more often than not, when I hear a top producing agent say, yeah, that's cool, Tim. I love all that, but it, that doesn't work. So uh, Ted said with love, it does work. Here's why it's not working for you, because you're not the person for that. How many things that I have in my department here that I, God help her, don't touch because Zoe won't let me touch it. Like when, when, I, when I brought her into my life and she started working with me. She would come down the hallway every day and she would like have her notebook. So why are we doing this like this? That was a polite way of saying this is so jacked up. I can't believe you're still doing it this way. Do you know we have electricity now? Right. So for me to make the next move with my business within this business here, she was the relationship. The tools were all around me and the system was her refining it because I didn't need better tools. I didn't need a better system. I needed a better person for my tools and system, right? Tiger Woods has a coach. Tom Brady has a coach. Ime Odoka, thank God, last night they figured it out, is their coach. They're all really good at what they do. They all have their individual systems, but there's somebody helping them call the play. What do I do next? Because that's what people want. They, they need some law and order in their life. Otherwise, so how are you getting ready for the marathon? Uh, it's actually pretty cool. I'm in charge. How's that going? I don't know. I'm in charge. I haven't had a meeting with myself yet. Or, oh yeah, super good, right? Wow, you, so you, you pay a guy to yell at you? Yup. Why? Because it works, right? 
And yeah, I know you're not yelling. I know I'm not yelling, but you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. And, and I guess last question is, um, I, I mean, all of the people that you just described are elite athletes. Uh, aren't coaches just for elite athletes? No, it's for anybody who wants to make, who wants to make a purposeful change. You know, you, you, there are so many different ways and reasons that people require the assistance of others to move them forward. And there is, there are going to be people that are in your life for a season, people that are coming in. We talk about it all the time. When you're making a professional hire, are you hiring cul-de-sac talent? Are you hiring somebody who's coming in to do the thing that's in front of you? Or are they going to be able to grow in the opportunity? And I think that's your history of success. That's what speaks to when somebody's coming to employ your help, they can look at all the things you've done. Your educational background is obnoxious, said with love, right? Like you've got, you've got all the wicked smarts. You've got the history of success in the game. And now you've chosen, okay, I've done all this. And now for me to go from success to significance is I want to make sure that I impart my wisdom upon others that someday long after I'm gone, Somebody's going to be like, you know what? Dad used to coach with this guy. And he used to have dad do it like this. Because there'll be transitions. There'll be things that happen over time with technology. But there's stuff that you're going to teach to some guy or girl today that they're going to impart upon their kids. And when somebody quotes you long after you're gone, to me, that's significance. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. I think I think that's uh, I think that's a that's a great way to 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 wrap that up, Tim. For uh, for the listener who wants to 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 know more about the one thing, um, do you have any do you have any resources for them? Uh, should they should they pick up the book and just start reading? Is there a website? Where do people go to learn yeah. more about the one thing? Yeah, I feel like I'm always going to get this wrong, so I'm going to jump over to the end of tubes and make sure I don't get this wrong. Uh, without fail, it is the one thing, which it is T-H-E, the number one thing.com. And I'm right. I'm still right. So T-H-E, the number one thing.com. And if you go there, um, you can actually, you can book a call. Uh, you can become a member. There are events that primarily run out of Austin. That's where headquarters is for Keller Williams. That's where Gary's from. Um uh, and there's a, a bunch of resources in there too with um, the GPS, the 411 simple worksheets that you can keep digital if you don't want to kill a tree. Um, the 66 day calendar, just to throw it on. And I would, I would encourage people to do this, to start with this. If you can say, Hey, tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm just going to start with breakfast. You put that 66 day calendar on your fridge. And whatever your one thing is for the next 66 days, and there's arguments about whether it's 21 days or Gary, they came to the consensus. It's 66 days to hold the discipline, to create a habit that is good for you. Um, and then you just check the box. It might, it, it, it might be, it could be anything. It doesn't matter because you're going to start to build the ability and a history of success that I can do that. I can do small things. Can I do hard things? And just start with breakfast. Like we said, don't try to go cold Turkey, start with breakfast. And if you miss a day, start over because it needs to be 66 days straight. That's probably the coolest tool on there. It's a yeah. great book. Phenomenal yeah. book. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like the idea of um, 
habits are built one day at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, and if you fall off the wagon today, then tomorrow, tomorrow's a new day. Yeah. There's uh, always an opportunity. I think when, when people are talking about weight loss or, or, or building their strength and they're like, yeah, I feel like I'm never going to get there. I would always say to people, would it be okay if you died trying? And I hate that word trying. It's about being intentional and purposeful. But if you are in your casket and you look great, right? Because we know the practice, the process, the grind of doing the things to get to maybe an intangible goal because somebody said something, because there's going to be that athlete that's at 2% body fat that's eating pristinely who is seven weeks away from their next Ironman and something tragic in their life happens and they never get there. But were they happy in the moment because what they were doing, what they were practicing as a person to be better for everyone around them fulfilled them, filled their cup, filled their bowl. That's the point of all of this, I think. And it's, I know it sounds very altruistic. And wow, I can't believe this is such an influential book for a, a, a massive real estate company. We're just wired differently and we're not perfect, but this is the stuff that keeps our head on straight. Cause I think corporate America, if you're not grounding yourself in this kind of stuff, if we don't have our IQ equivalent with our EQ our you know, our emotional intelligence, I think you're going to be way off base and you're going to lose a generation of people. The kids coming out of college. Now they want to be at a place where they move the needle and they feel they belong and they're making systemic change. And if that's not how you're wired, I, I would, beg of you to maybe think differently, to feel differently, to act differently. Well, I, I know you use the book, uh, in, uh, um, in, in your, uh, line of work, um, coaching real estate agents. I, mm-hmm. I would argue that, that the book is applicable for, sure. for endurance athletes. And it's actually, I think it's applicable to, uh, to, every man and woman out there mm. tim once again uh it this has been great i really appreciate uh you joining me and uh maybe looking forward to having you back on the show and and uh maybe maybe talking about uh maybe talking about your own running uh running history uh next time there's a why shouldn't we that and disc golf there's a story which one's more painful both there's a, there's a story in there or two to tell <clears throat> yeah well once again tim uh thanks for being on the show thank you sir Nearly every athlete I've coached made the mind shift from an entrepreneurial to a purposeful approach just prior to reaching out to me for the first time. And it typically goes something like this. An athlete with an E approach hits a ceiling of achievement and they bounce up against it over and over again. This usually continues until they just can't take the disappointment anymore. They become resigned to that subpar outcome as their new norm. And then eventually they seek out performance breakthroughs elsewhere. You know, when you've done the best you can do, but are certain the results aren't the best they can be, get out of an entrepreneurial approach and into a purposeful one. And like Tim said, look for better tools, systems, and relationships. Better yet, hire a professional endurance coach. Well, if you liked what you heard, please consider giving the show a follow. And if you really liked what you heard, please consider sharing it with your friends. I'll be posting some supporting media on my Twitter account at Coach Chris J. Dunn, so please make sure to check that out. And lastly, remember, the secret to living well and longer is to eat half, walk double, laugh triple, and love without measure. Until next time.